All right, so good to, uh, to be with you this morning. We're continuing um, our series called Deconstructed. Uh, we started a couple weeks back, and uh, this week we continue in this series. This morning's title is actually Authenticity. So Deconstructed Authenticity. Um, we're actually, this series is actually 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. And if you go back six months, we began a journey through 1 Corinthians, and we're now in chapters 11 and 12. And so uh, if this is your first time with us this morning, uh, I may refer to Paul. Uh, if I do that, Paul is uh, the Apostle Paul, and so he uh, helped establish a church in Corinth, and he is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and that's where we get uh, 1 Corinthians from. So when I say Paul, I'm not talking about some random dude named Paul talking about the apostle. So why don't we go ahead and read the section of scripture, uh, the pericope this morning that we're going to unpack together. It's a short one. It's uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. And so I'll go ahead and read. It'll be projected up here if you don't have something to follow along with. And so here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to gather in this place, uh, to open your word, to navigate uh, what it is that you have for us, what the implications in our life are. And so we just uh, declare ourselves available. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this section of scripture is a, is a small one, and it's actually a little bit more complicated than it appears to be at face value, and we'll talk about that as we unpack it this morning. As I was sort of uh, considering uh, what it is that I was going to share, I realized that in this context of authenticity, I used to get super confused, and if I'm being honest, I still get confused uh, with inconsistency. When something is supposed to be a certain way and then it appears to be inconsistent, uh, it used to really derail me as a kid. Um, and maybe some of you know this if you are a mother, uh, if you had a mother, uh, if uh, you have ever witnessed someone in a situation where you're in trouble. And so I remember being a kid, we were in the kitchen because for some reason that's where the family phone was hung not really sure why, uh, and for those kids or teenagers that are in the room, they might be like, what do you mean? You'd hang your phone, ask your parents later. It's complicated. It makes no sense, uh, but it used to be attached to the wall, and there was a cable that would actually attach to your head. Well, not to your head. Nah, ask your parents. Anyway, uh, in either case, I remember a time in particular, I'm in the kitchen and I'm in trouble. My mom's yelling at me, she's correcting me, and she's just kind of like, you know, this is ridiculous, I don't even remember what the issue was. I was probably somewhere around seven, eight, something like that, and uh, all of a sudden, the phone rings. And it's amazing, right? The phone rings, she walks over, and we still do this with our cell phones, so it's still applicable today. She's like, I'm not kidding, enough is enough. Hello? I was like, what? She's like, yes, oh my goodness, yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm thinking, what an amazing transformation I have witnessed before my very eyes. And so I thought, well, for some reason, mom's in a good mood now. And so I, I kind of walk up and, mom, mom. And I, I remember I was trying to get her attention because there was something I wanted. And so she's like, okay, um, hold on one second. We didn't have this thing called mute or anything. It was just kind of palm over the hand, you know palm over the hand, palm over the phone. And so she goes, oh, yes, hold on one second. She puts that, she's like, what do you want? I'm like, what? 
I just want to know if I can have. And I asked for whatever, and she's like, I am Legion. I'm like, I'm sorry, Mom, what happened? You know, and so I'm just asking for something. She's screaming at me. Um, And my mom was so abusive. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, That's actually a test to see. She says she listens to the podcast. We'll find out. Um, (laughs) All of a sudden, my phone blows up before the service is even over. She's like, what does that mean? Um, No, so... Grew up in a very loving home, but you know that dynamic of, like, she's back to the phone. Hello? Oh, yes, sorry about that. Yeah, my son just needed something. I'm like, what in the poltergeist is happening? Is this this inconsistency, right? It's confusing to us, and yet we're all people that do that. We've done it maybe with our phones, although they're not attached to the walls anymore. Uh, We still have those moments where we appear to be one thing and yet at our core are in a completely different state. And I think it goes even beyond things like that that we can all identify with to a a situation. I have the opportunity to work with other churches and there was a an opportunity uh, that I had to go and survey a church uh, to kind of help them move forward. And so I was getting off uh, a certain highway, and as I was getting off that highway, I saw this uh, person that was at the intersection just irate, screaming, yelling at the person next to them. I don't know what transpired prior, uh, but it must have been intense because they're just freaking out, and they're pointing and flipping them off and, like, really, really super angry. And uh, so I'm kind of stopped there looking, thinking like, wow, I wonder if I'm going to have to like intervene. Like, is this dude going to get out of the car? Is it going to be on for real? Am I going to make it on YouTube? And uh, (laughs) so in either case, uh, it kind of calms down. The light turns. They pull out in front of me, and I'm turning right on red, so I get behind them, and I'm going down the road. And uh, as I'm going, I'm watching. They're kind of swerving. They're still trying to get this person's attention. They're really angry. And um, all of a sudden, they turn left, and... I have to turn left, and they turn right, and I have to turn right, and you know kind of where this story's probably going. I pull into the church uh, right behind them pulling into the church, and uh, they park their car, and they get out, and I get out, and they don't know me from anybody, and so they're like, oh, hi. I'm like, hey. I'm thinking, rough day? Holy smokes, right? And so uh, she gets her walker out, and uh, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> although that would be awesome. Anyway, um, so I mean, not awesome, funny. In either case. So she, uh, she walks into uh, this church, and uh, it, she was, in fact, a she, and uh, she goes into this church, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, is this person, like, attached to the survey? Like, is she really that angry? Now she's smiling ear to ear, saying hi to everybody, and um, she actually goes up, and our little gathering, they decided before we take the survey that they would do a little bit of worship, and she was uh, one of the vocalists on the worship team. I thought, praise God. Like, I hope that person that she just, like, flipped off and irately, like, berated in the parking lot doesn't come in the building right now. And, uh, and so it's this inconsistency. It's this point of confusion as she's like suddenly just flips a switch and goes from furious and carnal to hands raised loving the Lord. And that's how I met my wife. Um, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you are like angry about it. Like, that's not true. <laughs> I know it's not. It's a joke. But in either case, there's this idea of inconsistency when it comes to spiritual things. And so the question I want you to ponder as we move through the text this morning is why do we confuse spiritual activity with Christianity? Why do we confuse spiritual activity with Christianity? 
Because we can take part in spiritual activity and not be Christ-like at all. It's an inconsistency that honestly, more often than not, is confusing. I want to submit to you that we like the idea of doing. I think that's why we confuse spiritual activity with Christianity. We like the idea of being able to accomplish something, to contribute something. So much so that we do it with the wrong motive. Christian or not, I'm not just simply speaking to Christians this morning, and I understand that the room is filled with people on the full gamut from committed Christ follower all the way to the skeptic that uh, maybe came here because they got tricked. Maybe they thought that there were classes in session today. (laughs) Like, what? We're meeting in a college, for those of you that are by podcast and have no idea what I'm talking about. So sometimes we do good things to make ourselves feel good. Sometimes we do good things in order to be perceived as good. Some of us find identity in that this morning. Some of us in this room find identity in that space. We say things like, I'm a good person. Or we find peace in being better than them. Whoever the them may be. Like, I mean, I have a lot of things put to, you know, that I've got to figure out, but have you seen them? Right? Like, I'm way better than them, and so I'm a little bit better. It's like we're kind of pulling back another layer of an onion on self. That Paul is kind of pulling back, and he's setting us up to look at ourselves in a different light, and we'll expose more of that and kind of navigate more of that in the weeks to come. But this morning, let's unpack verse uh, 2 as we kind of move through this short section of Scripture. Verse 2, it says this. It says, You know that when you were pagans... You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Pagans. Now there's some connotation that's kind of taking place here in the sense that uh, Paul is saying, you know that when you were pagans. Now, uh, the church in Corinth uh, were predominantly Roman citizens and they were Gentiles by default. And so as a result, uh, the Jewish people in the community actually viewed Gentiles as pagans. And so it was somewhat of a kind of a racial connotation uh, that you be called a pagan. It was actually connected to your ethnicity. And what's interesting is Paul is kind of saying, hey, you remember when you were pagans. And so he's telling them to look through the lens of not ethnicity, but instead a state of spiritual distance. And so he's saying, you remember when you used to be one of these people, when you were pagans led astray, you worshiped or assigned worth, right? When we assign worth to something, we're worshiping it. You assigned worth to mute idols. They can't hear, they can't answer prayer, nor can they speak. You know, it's a fact. Some of this can be a little bit difficult in our society. uh, Very few times can we hear or think of a time that someone actually uh, takes a small created piece of wood or marble or something and says, well, that's actually what we worship. Uh, But in this society, it was exactly what was happening. And so Paul's talking very literally about the fact that there were mute idols. And so literally these, these things that you've worshiped cannot add lasting value to your life because they don't contribute anything to it. Now, the reality is we can relate on some level anything that that we assign worth to that is not God, anything that is created ends up being a form of an idol in our life. 
And so as we consider that a little bit, we continue on the journey to verse three. And he says, therefore, which basically means in light of that, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And this is actually uh, a complicated verse. Um, In the original Greek, there's actually uh, some things that are taking place. The way that the sentence structure is, there's a couple of nouns with no verb, and so there's a lot of thought about what it is that this actually means in context. And so kind of at face value, you sort of read through this and say, I don't even know how we're going to preach on this. What are we going to talk about? Like, what do I take from this text and apply to my life? Well, after quite a bit of of research, I agree with one of the more widely accepted um, conclusions that require us to look really at two things. One, the context of the passage, where it falls in the letter. And then secondly, the culture of Corinth, so that we can fully understand what it is that Paul's saying here. So as we kind of look at where it falls in the book or in the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul has been, uh, he's been talking about the church in Corinth uh, and how it's allowing Roman culture to sort of infiltrate or inform their church culture. And so if you look a couple weeks back, we talked about the idea of how it is that they were dressing. Uh, he's talking about how it is that they gather, the way that they eat food. Um, and he's warning them that they're misrepresenting Christ as a result. The gospel appears to lack authenticity. Based on the way they're living their lives in that society, he's warning them to say, listen, you're misrepresenting Christ. They look the same as society, but they're claiming to be different. All the while, they desire to to be viewed as spiritual. It's a society based on rhetoric and uh, being able to articulate well, uh, sports, athletics, all significant things. And so intellect and spirituality was extremely important to the culture. And so uh, one of the things that was actually happening, if you consider this in culture, uh, the the history will show us that there are tombs that have actually been uh, excavated where there are inscriptions in Greek that actually place a curse on anybody that Uh, interferes with this tomb. So if you interfere with this tomb, uh, you will have the same uh, uh, impact on your life that came to Judas. You will have the same result. And so there are these, uh, that's just one of the many examples that you find where there's actually spoken curses, written curses. And so as you look into the society, not only do they appear on tombs historically, but Roman society was actually one that functioned in active cursing of others. And you might think of like curse in the sense of like cussing or bad words, but I mean curse in the literal of like speaking uh, bad over someone else. So in situations where business, business transactions were happening, they would actually uh, speak curses over their competitors. They would go to mute idols and they would request that a curse be placed on this family if they had been wronged. And so there was a lot of um, kind of Uh, spirituality taking place in Roman culture where they would place curses on others. And so what's happening right here is uh, it appears that confessing Christians that attended the church in Corinth were so spiritual that they would inform others, that they would inform pagans, that their idols were mute. Oh, that I remember when I used to worship those dumb little mutes. They don't speak or anything. But I, I serve the one true God. I serve the God of heaven and earth. I serve Jesus Christ. 
the all-powerful God. And so I speak a curse in his name on you. And they're like, what? Like, that's right. With the full authority of Jesus Christ, I place a curse on you and your family. And they're, and they're like, what are you talking about? And Paul is like, what is happening? They view their spirituality as a leverage point to place authority on others. You have these mute idols, but we have full authority. So we're not going to be removed from the culture we're in. Instead, we're going to muscle up. We're going to power up and show you the full authority of our spirituality by placing a curse on you. Paul is like, are you kidding me? One of the things that I'll say to my wife sometimes when we look at the things that our kids will do or in certain situations, we just go, seriously? Like, it's like when we come to the end of ourselves, like, seriously? Seriously? And I feel like Paul has got to be standing there being like, seriously? You're trying to reach the people in Corinth, and one of the ways you're doing it is say, listen, we serve an all-powerful God, and so curses on you in his name. Like, seriously? Seriously, that's what's happening? Imagine that. It would be like Christians in here cussing at someone in traffic and then coming in to worship. Seriously? That would never happen. It would be like telling your neighbor that you can't stand them and then raising your hands in worship on Sunday. Seriously? I mean, that's probably them. That's nobody in here. That's probably somebody else. Inconsistency. It's a problem with authenticity that runs right to the core of the gospel and the way that it informs our lives. Wow. Those people, them, they were a hot mess. We're way different than that. I mean, we don't struggle to, to misrepresent Christ in our workplace. We never lose our cool and just sort of like berate someone. And then, you know, we never, as, as someone that loves other people, bring in, you know, dissension and frustration, wish other people ill. That's not us. Listen, spiritual activity doesn't equal Christianity. You can come into a space and you can declare Jesus is Lord with your lips. But if your life is running contrary to that and the narrative of your life is actually in complete opposition to the truth of the gospel and you lack authenticity, then there's probably something fractured within you. You probably feel the tension of a misrepresentation of the fact that you're trying to be one way and, and yet you function another. Here's the deal. You're in good company. Look around the room. Every single one of us is guilty of misrepresenting Christ. Every single one of us that proclaim Christ, and again, I know that the room is mixed, but every single one of us is guilty of losing our cool in a moment of saying words out of anger. Like some of you are like, oh, he's talking about me. No, I'm talking about us. If it sounds familiar, it's because it's every person in this room. And so here's the trap. What some of us hear is, okay, I get it, pastor. I'll do better. I'm going to do it. 
right? Because we find ownership and belonging in the doing. And so we're going to lean in. And what are we going to do? There's a name for it. We're going to work out our own salvation. It's called works righteousness. I'm going to earn it. Watch me. I'm going to be so spiritual. (laughs) Ah, I'm never going to cuss again till I get in the parking lot. Until I pull out onto 251. I'm like, beep. I need to go back to church. We make these declarations of changing as if we can somehow take the brokenness that's inside of us and just pull it out. And so we lean in. Others of us, man, we just say, I'm going I'm to increase my spiritual activity. That's the answer. I'm going to be more spiritual. The problem is, spiritual activity doesn't equal Christianity. You can act like a police officer till you're blue in the face. But unless you are, you will be arrested when they find you. (laughs) Right? Acting the part doesn't make you by default that thing. Others of us conclude on a little bit of a darker side. We think, I can hide it better. I'm going to hide it a little better. Gosh, I hope Karen doesn't talk to my kids for too long. <laughs> well, mommy says, beep, 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 beep. Like, what? No? <laughs> we want to hide it because we think that if we can section out our life into categories and just try to make sure that they don't infiltrate, then, then in our mind we think we can in some way have the best of all worlds. But ultimately, we're living out this fractured version of a best version of our lives. Christianity becomes a sliver rather than the center. It's exhausting. None of it works. So what's the answer? The answer is to stop having Jesus be one of the pieces or ingredients in your life. If you deconstruct a life that has Jesus and his gospel story at the center, one of the pieces is authenticity. If Jesus is truly the center, if if the gospel informs your life, if you've been transformed by the truth of the gospel, and we're going to talk about the dynamic of that in just a moment, but if that's you, then the outflow of that, one of those pieces when deconstructed should be authenticity. But all too often, We want to make our relationship with God a piece of the puzzle. And we want self to be the center. And so when we're deconstructed, we say, oh, and and, and I also do church because I really want to be (laughs) well-rounded. And I want to be a good parent. And I know that that's an important part. So that's, listen, and it's a priority. It's probably the most important slice. That's good, right? But in the center is me what it is that I can get, how much I can gather. I can try to search for significance, find belonging and purpose. If you're trying to consider what it is that the center of your life looks like with Jesus in the center, it means that you don't pretend to be something or someone. You can realize that in light of who Jesus is, And the fact that he loved you as an enemy. The word of God says he loved you while you were still his enemy. And maybe some of you this morning think you're still there. 
Like I'm in this room and, and I'm an enemy of God. Like I, I haven't submitted my life to him. I'm not sure that I fall in the gamut of Christ believer. It, it, um, if you are in the category of someone that isn't confident that they believe in Christ this morning and you view yourself as an enemy of God, the fact is God loves you where you're at. You don't need to figure things out, work things out until you get to a place where he finds you valid. He loved you while you were an enemy of God and he died for you. He lived the perfect sinless life that you could not, that I could not. Then he paid the price that every single one of us deserves. And so authenticity looks like declaring that you're not perfect. A willingness to say, I'm a sinner and I'm broken. I need to stop covering my brokenness with spiritual activity. Hear that. I need to stop covering my brokenness with spiritual activity. This works righteousness that just lands me right back to where I started. And I'm not fooling anyone, including myself. Because at the core of who I am, I know the narrative. I know the truth. I understand what's actually in the center of my life. And so just stop playing the game. Allow God to reveal the root of the issue. For some of us this morning, we have control issues. For some of us this morning, we have unforgiveness issues. For some of us, we just have hurt. We have hurt that we haven't fully processed. We proclaim the goodness of God, and yet we've categorized him into our life, and we won't allow him to infiltrate the areas of hurt and pain, the areas of unforgiveness, the places of, of frustration and annoyance, the place where we want control, and we sit on the throne room of our own life, and we declare ourselves the center of our own world. And let me tell you, it's a majority of us in this place because our heart is bent towards wickedness. And it's only through the grace and mercy of God and the truth of his gospel that starts to transform the motives of our heart. It's not our best effort. Keep trying. If you don't believe me, keep trying. It's exhausting. I'll be nicer. I'll be a better mom. I'll be a better dad. I'll be a better employee. Oh, I slipped up again. I just got to control myself. If I could just control my language. If I could just control this part of my life. Sounds like you have control issues. Sounds like you're trying to work out your own salvation. Instead of saying, God, would you do a work that only you can do? I'm so broken. And yet because of you and your goodness, because of the price that you paid, you could transform my heart and my mind. God, would you do a work that only you could do? And a daily reminder of being fluent in the truth of the gospel to speak it to yourself every morning when your feet hit the ground. God, would you, would you remind me one more time of your goodness? Would you transform my heart and mind that I could walk representing you well? Because God has a plan for your life. I think sometimes we get wrapped up with us in the center because we don't realize that God has a plan for our one and only life. 
and we think we've got it figured out better. Watch me earn it. God has a plan. He wove you together in your mother's womb, the word of God says. It's a plan and a purpose for you. The question is, are you willing to listen to what he's speaking to your heart and mind? Are you willing to to slow down the chaos and the craziness of your life enough to find a space to speak the gospel to yourself and allow God to put his finger right on the pain point? Say, it's right there. Will you give me that? Will you lay that down? Will you admit that about yourself? So we say here every week that the text requires something from us. And as we consider this short section of verses, as confusing as it may have been at face value, the reality is we're woven through this text. So I want to ask you a question to consider as you leave this place, an application question. How can I create margin for the Holy Spirit to speak to me? How can I create margin? Because here's the deal. You're going to leave from here to whatever it is that's next, to whatever it is that's next, to whatever it is that's next. And then she's like, oh, you know, that was a pretty good message. I mean, he made me laugh a couple times. I don't really remember everything he said. <laughs> Super ugly. <laughs> I made you laugh one last time. But we, if we leave this place and we don't consider the application of the truth of the text in our lives, then we've just sectioned part of our life out and said, hey, I attended church. Check. Did it. If I'm super spiritual, I sang during the songs. In fact, I even was like, boop, raised my hand a little, looked around like, hmm, I'm loving the Lord. (laughs) Spiritual activity doesn't equal Christianity. What is Christian about your life? What is different about the way you view your life, the situations, the roles, your finances, everything. How is it different than your unbelieving neighbor? How can I create margin for the Holy Spirit to speak to me? In a moment, we're going to go into a time of response where we can reflect. And I want to challenge you, if you're here with someone else, a, a sibling or a spouse or something like that, to, to look and say, let's... let's set a date to, to talk about what it is that the Holy Spirit is kind of pointing at in my life. Hey, hon, I may have control issues. <gasps> you're kidding. <laughs> They're not going to be shocked. They're going to be more shocked by your willingness to admit your brokenness. Because at our core, we just want to build a wall to the ceiling. We just want to pretend if I'm just spiritually active enough I'll look like a Christian. And I'll tell you right now, as someone that spent 10 years in youth ministry, you're messing up your kids if that's what you're doing because they can see the inconsistency. They can see someone that professes Christ and lives opposite of that throughout the week. At the very least, be authentic for the sake of those you interface with, for your coworkers, for your children, for your spouse. Find a place of authenticity to say, listen, I'm a work in progress. I was wrong, would you forgive me? So this morning, for some of you 
creating margin for the Holy Spirit to speak to you looks like crossing the line of faith. Your application this morning is to say, I've lived my life for myself and I've never prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of my life. I've never asked him to be the center of my life. And if that's you this morning, you can pray it in the quietness of your own mind, in the seat you're sitting in. It's as simple as, as identifying the fact that he lived the life you couldn't, that he died for your sins, that you'd ask him to forgive you, come and be the Lord and leader of your life. You can do that right now. I'd love to have a conversation with you following the service if you pray that prayer. But this morning, for others of you, if you find yourself already in the category of Christ follower, I want to challenge you to find the root issue. To create margin in your life to allow the Holy Spirit to dig deep and say, it's, it's right here. It's this. It's this hurt. It's this pain. It's this legitimate wrongdoing, but you just won't let it go. They were wrong, but you're still holding it. For others of you, you're here this morning and maybe you've crossed the line of salvation and and maybe you've allowed God to search your heart. Maybe you have him search your heart daily. You pray that prayer. For, For those of you that are in that category, I want you to consider what it looks like to actively live on mission to allow not just simply the transformation of your heart and mind in every interaction, but to go one step further to investigate what it looks like to have spiritual conversations. And that sounds so scary to some people. I get it. I get it. I remember the first time I talked to somebody about spirituality. I was on a school bus. I looked at someone. I said, I think you should come to church with me. He said, why? I said, because I don't want you to go to hell. And he said, you go to hell. I was like, this did not work out well. <laughs> this did not work out. It's literally exactly the way it happened. And so we, we have this picture where we have to have all the answers figured out. But there is scriptural evidence of people that just said, hey, would you come and see? Would you just come and see? I don't have all the answers. But if I can just get you into Christ's presence, if you just come and see. So we're going into a season, Easter, where people are way more willing to come to church. And so maybe this is part of the application for you is is to invite that one person to Easter this year. I, I don't know what your application is. I'm just saying the text requires something from every single person in the room, regardless of your level of spirituality. So I want you to bow your heads this morning. If you want, you can close your eyes or you can leave them open if you're easily distracted. I'm fine with that. I'm the type of person that needs to keep their eyes open or I'll just go somewhere else. But with your heads bowed, I want you to consider how can I create margin for the Holy Spirit to speak to me? We're about to go into a time of response where we can respond to the word through worship. And maybe for you, this is the beginning of that margin. I'll invite you in just a moment to stand, but maybe you need to remain seated. Schedule a a date with your spouse or friend or whatever it might be to, to talk about this application. Maybe you already know what it is and you say, listen, it's this and I need to talk to the Lord about it. Or I've misrepresented Christ and I need to go to that person and 
admit that I'm a work in progress so that I don't misrepresent my Savior. So I'm going to pray a prayer and we're going to move into a time of worship and response together. Lord, we come before you this morning so deeply desiring not only an authentic encounter with you, but for authenticity to be a part of the rhythm of our lives day in and day out. That we would be men and women of integrity. Not perfection, but integrity. That there would be a level of authenticity in our life that that would be a hallmark for our children, for our friends, for our coworkers, for our classmates. That we would be consistent. We say that we are. And so we create margin right now, Lord. And we ask your Holy Spirit to come and search our hearts. Lord, would you come and and look at the the deep recesses, the corners of our life, the places we want to, to isolate, the places we want to push down, the hurt and the pain, the rightness. God, would you search those areas? Just reveal to us what maybe we need to repent of relationships we need to make right. Whatever it might be, Lord, we simply declare ourselves available and we declare you worthy to do a work that right now we can't even see. We don't even know the potential of what it is that you see in and through us. So we declare ourselves available.